What's up, Brooklyn? Woo! You know why I love Brooklyn, because y'all are rowdy. Look at your neighbor and say, rowdy. And you can take a seat. I love what Tess and JR are building here. How many of you think you have the best pastors on the planet? How'd you get them? What did you do? That's amazing. I'm so proud of what you guys are building. Oh, Trisha down here, your prayer director said pray. <laughs> it's real simple, isn't it? <laughs> well, we are the Wild Manhattan family, your sisters in the Liberty Church world. And I want to show you a quick picture of my family. Can I do that? Okay, look at my cute family. I'm so tall. I don't even know if you can see them, to be honest. There you go. So that's my little baby who's no longer a baby, Lucas, my husband, Cody, and my big baby, Levi. And we love being here in New York. We love being a part of what God is doing in Liberty Church. I think it's powerful to watch the Spirit move. It's amazing to watch God move. You know, there's awesome doctrine out there and wonderful theology, and we need it all. It makes us better. It helps us know God. And at the same time, you cannot replace an encounter with the Spirit of the living God. It will change you forever. And that's what you have in this place. And I'm so grateful to be with you. I'm so grateful to be a part of this. You can take my cute family away. Cody sends his love. So the Soul Detox series has been incredible, as JR already said. And I was thinking about what it means to really detox your soul. Because very often when we think about detox, we think about our bodies. Especially in America, we think, what diet should I be on? What cleanse should I be doing? Summertime body. Um, Cody, when we got married, talked about the, the look good naked diet. <laughs> he was very focused before we got married. <laughs> You know, when you wait, you got to, like, get it right, get it tight. You know what I mean? <laughs> but we don't often think about detoxing the soul. You know, when somebody knocks on my apartment door, I peep through the hole to see if it's the Con Edison man who's the fake Con Edison man, and then I don't answer. Right? Sometimes you see somebody on the other side of that door, and you just keep it moving. But we are not that way with our soul. We will let anything come through our eyes, anything come through our ears. We will let people who have not been in our life for 10 years live in there. So we need to think more about detoxing the soul than we do about the body. And today I'm going to talk to you about changing your thoughts and your words. It's something I'm so passionate about because words have power. They shape our world. They form the atmosphere around us. They have the capacity to change our lives and to change the lives of those that we love. I want you to think for a minute about the most encouraging word you've ever heard. Maybe it was something someone spoke to you when you were a child. Maybe it was something somebody said to you as a young adult. Maybe it was a coach or a teacher or a family member. What's the most encouraging thing anyone ever said to you? I don't always remember words, but I do think about what words meant to me. When a, somebody said a word that made me feel like I'm not alone. When somebody made me feel like I can do this. When somebody gave me the encouragement to not quit, but then they stood there with me so I didn't quit, that was encouraging. I can remember the very first time I started reading the Bible for real. And when I first came to Christ, which I'll get into a little bit later, I was wild, y'all. I'm talking wild, like buck wild, one of those people. Wow. And I kept reading the Bible, and people would often quote to me when I first started coming to the church from Jeremiah 29 11. And they would talk about how God had a future for me and a hope for me. And I was like, sounds nice, but this don't look like a future, and this don't look like a hope. 
And so I really had to start diving into the scriptures for myself. And when I really dived into that scripture, I thought about what it really meant when God brought a prophet to share those words. God's people were in the middle of enslavement. They were in the middle of chaos. They were in the middle of uncertainty and doubt and fear. And God spoke to them and said, in this place of your enslavement, plant your roots, have dominion, go ahead, create a legacy, create a lineage, and you will have a future and a hope. And I thought, well, that makes more sense to me, okay? Because my life is not rainbows and sunshine. And I don't know if there's some people out there that have one foot in your old life because you're trying so hard to get out because you are a heathen still a little bit. <laughs> me too. And you got a lot of friends who are also heathens. And it's lovely. You used to raise all kinds of chaos with them. And then you got a foot over here. You're like, okay, I'm pursuing a new life. I want to walk in wholeness. I'm journeying for recovery. And this space in between is pretty lonely. And it's pretty full of doubt. And it's pretty full of insecurity. And it's pretty full of, God, are you here? God, are you going to come through? Because you're not yet made the step all the way over. And it's okay. That is part of the process. There is nothing wrong with you. But I remember during that place, after God gave me that download from Jeremiah 29, 11, it was the first sermon he ever gave me. And I sat down with the spiritual leader and she said, that's powerful. I believe the Lord gave you your first sermon. And I said, what? A sermon? I don't want to preach. I don't want to pastor. Are you crazy? No one grows up thinking about, I can't wait to be a pastor. Like nobody does that. Why would you do that? <laughs> but her encouragement, her life-giving words, and even though I didn't preach for 10 years, she saw something in me. She encouraged the purpose that was on the inside of me. Now think about for a minute the most discouraging words you've ever heard. Maybe it's something still sitting in you from childhood. Maybe it was something from your teenage years. Maybe it was something this week from a boss or a coworker. Made you feel like you were alone. Made you feel like you had to figure it out for yourself, that your voice doesn't matter. That maybe the truth that you know is true isn't real. Words have power. So I'm going to pray for us this morning and we'll get into the scripture. Jesus, thank you that you're here, that your presence is powerful, God, that it brings life and healing and help to us. And so, God, I pray that as your spirit moves in this place, Lord, that you would help people to grab a hold of your word, that you would help us to change, to transform, to hear your voice, God, to stay humble before you, Lord so that we can be changed, so that our minds would be renewed, God, so that we can understand what is your perfect and pleasing and good will for us. So God, I pray that every distraction would get laid down and that the power of the Holy Spirit would help us grow this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, Beth Moore, one of my favorite preachers, says very often that if you are not actively fighting the indoctrination of this world, you are actively being indoctrinated by it. So we really need to think about what we're thinking about. Romans 12, 2 says this, and this is the text that we're going to be in today. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but this is going to be the main one that the others will support. It says, do not form to the, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Whenever I see the word then in the Bible, I just circle it. Because that implies that there's something that needs to happen before the then. There's something that I need to know, something I need to do, something I need to practice, something I need to understand in order for me to be able to do whatever comes after then. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do we change our thinking? How do we renew our mind? And the first step is very easy. 
Think about what you're thinking about. Think about the thoughts in your head. Think about what's going through your mind. You know, unfortunately for my husband and the other members of my household, I am obsessed with dystopian novels. Anyone? I love it. Fahrenheit 451, Handmaid's Tale, Hunger Games, anything by Octavia Butler. I am here for it. And also, unfortunately for the members of my household, my favorite books in the Bible are the Old Testament prophets, major and minor. I even love Nahum, which you should get to know him because you're going to get to heaven. He's going to introduce himself and you're going to be like, what? I don't know you. And he wrote a book of the Bible. But basically, the Old Testament major and minor prophets are just like dystopian novels. So sometimes I got to turn that off. Anybody? Or I just start to surrender to everything is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> it's over, Lord. Nothing can be done. It's hopeless. Come back, Jesus. I'm ready for the part in Revelation where it says no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. And I'm like praying the rapture in. <laughs> and I get in a mood. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever get in a mood? You lay in a bed at nighttime reading the news on Twitter, watching some lifestyle blogger or some fitness dude or all your friends at a party you're not at, and you get in your feelings. And somebody says the wrong thing at the wrong time, and you come at them like a hurricane. You got big mood, big feelings. We get discouraged. We get angry. We get anxious. We get disillusioned. We get frustrated. We get annoyed, and sometimes we don't even know why. We are not taking inventory of what we're thinking about, what we're processing, what we're meditating on. And then, after the mood, we start talking. Do I have any friends in this room? <laughs> talking to yourself, talking to other people. Well, my boss this, and my friend that, and my church this, and the politician that, and that fool on the subway this. As if the sum total of our emotional and spiritual health is determined only by external factors. As if everyone and everyone else decides how we are going to feel and how we are going to live. We act like the only person who is not responsible for our mood and our mouth is us. And we give away our energy. We give away our power. We give away the opportunity we have to walk in obedience to Christ to choose the way we live, to choose the way we feel. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you have a bad attitude, if you feel stuck, if you're struggling internally, you're normal, number one. Number two, take an inventory of your current thoughts so that you can find what is the source. Joyce Meyer calls this stinking thinking. Have you ever heard that term? Stinking thinking. We got loops and we've got tapes and we underestimate the impact of social media. We are underestimating the impact of culture. We are underestimating the impact of the people around us. And we are filling our life and we are being pastored by other things besides God, besides our shepherd, beside his word. We are allowing other people to shape our mind. And it's why sometimes we feel like we're banging our head against a wall. In some areas of our life, we're asking, why do I always end up with this type of person? Why does every organization I become a part of treat me this way? Why do I keep making the same unhelpful, sometimes harmful choices? You know, your brain is so powerful. God created it. It's powerful. And inside your brain, when you have thoughts, it starts to develop a roadmap. 
And the deeper that truth goes, the more it is repeated, because that's how we learn. We learn by repetition. The more it is repeated, the deeper the ditch goes, which can be great when it's truth and bad when the rut is, I'm always going to be alone. I am utterly and completely rejected. All men are like this. All women are like this. All people are like this. And the rut goes. And we have to create exit ramps is what me and Cody call them. We both have a background of addiction and we call them exit ramps. We need something to disrupt that train that's going in that rut. And you have to disrupt that with an exit ramp of truth. So when you start to think to yourself, I'm not worthy, you have to disrupt that thought. You created me in my mother's womb. I am wonderfully and fearfully made, and I know that in my soul. Exit ramp. You have to create a word, a thought, a phrase that will help you get your mind out of the rut. We have a soul. God created it. It's beautiful. It's our mind. It's our will. It's our emotions, and all those things are God-given. But if we spend too much time in the soul, we will forget that we have a spirit, a spirit that is born again, a spirit that is filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The spirit, man, is stronger than the soul. But if you only live in the soul, you only feed the soul, you'll never have an opportunity to fully live in the born-again spirit. Faithfulness and self-control require suffering. <laughs> we don't like to suffer. <laughs> I never like it. Like, yes, I love to suffer. Bring it on. I never prayed that one time in my life. Suffering is part of the human experience. You cannot read the Bible, not one single book, and extract suffering from that. The whole book is filled with struggle. The whole book is filled with suffering. I don't know why in our world we think we will arrive at this place where there is no more suffering. It's okay to suffer. Discipline, faithfulness, self-control requires us to suffer. And it's going to hurt either way. It's going to hurt if you change. It's going to hurt if you don't. So why not let it hurt for good? <laughs> Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering produces perseverance. In per perseverance, we discover we have character. And you know what character produces? Hope. Because you do something a few times and you're like, I can do it. I can stay sober. I can stay kind. Might be one day, might be one meeting, but I can do it. And it gives me hope. So suffering is a good thing. You have to think about what you're thinking about. And then you choose your thoughts on purpose. You know, we have a choice about our thoughts. We can think on purpose, positive thoughts or negative thoughts. And if a negative thought comes into your head, you actually do have the power to cast it down and begin to renew your mind with the word of God. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
So that means my thought life does not have to be obedient to abandonment. My thought life does not have to be obedient to rejection. My thought life does not have to be obedient to inferiority. My thought life does not have to be obedient to superiority. My thought life can be obedient to Christ. And he is the one who can heal and restore and deliver and change. What we are bound by, we, ha- we do not have to be bound by any longer because we have power from the Holy Spirit. My background is full of addiction, eating disorders, drugs, alcohol. Man, you name it, I probably went through it. Abortion, suffered a sexual assault, victim of a violent sexual assault. And I can stand here before you and say those things Not because it didn't hurt or because it wasn't hard to heal, but because it doesn't have the same power over me anymore. Because I did the hard work of renewing my mind. I remember printing off some confessions back in like 2002. Do y'all remember what it was like to print something off the internet in 2002? (laughs) Anybody? If you are under like 25, you are blessed. Because I had to go to the library and look at encyclopedias for my paper. Okay, there was no Google. I had to print out maps so I could drive somewhere. Do y'all understand? And prior to that, there was the Thomas Guide. Are there any friends in here? Okay, I just want to make sure somebody in here is around 40 or more. (laughs) And I didn't feel like doing it. But I got up every morning with those confessions, and I had them taped on my mirror. And I didn't believe them. I didn't even trust it was going to work, but I had tried everything else. And so I thought, Lord, if faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God, then I will stand here in front of this mirror every morning and I will discipline myself to speak this truth over my life. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am the head and not the tail. I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You have not given me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption by which I cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, God because I needed truth to replace the lies. Disciplined myself to do them. You know, feelings matter. God gave them to you. We are supposed to have them. We don't shut them off. They are God-given beautiful wells that teach us, show us. They are indicators, but they are not our leader. They are not our God. They are not the sole decision maker in our life. I love in Acts 1 because Jesus is coming back and he's talking to his disciples and he tells them like, hey, you know, John baptized you in water, but I will baptize you by the spirit and fire. And then it says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And if you wait for some outside force to help you feel like doing what you know you need to do anyway, especially concerning your healing or your restoration or your relationships or your purpose, friend, you will be waiting a long time. I never feel like forgiving ever. I don't get excited when I get wounded. I don't look for opportunities to forgive ever. I never feel like not being stressed. Hello? We live in New York. Are you kidding me? Ever. I never feel like being consistent and disciplined in my thoughts or my words. I never feel like having an interruption with a divine opportunity to help somebody. Okay, I'm busy. (laughs) But love is a decision. And forgiveness is a decision. And freedom is a decision. And self-control is a decision. I love Proverbs 29, 18. And in several versions, it says where there is no vision, where there is no revelation, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. They run wild, another version says. 
I think that's part of why in our society today we see people struggle so hard to keep commitments. Struggle so hard to be a part of something longer than six months, one year, two years. Because we're unwilling to make hard decisions and to suffer for the right thing, for the best thing, for the optimal living thing. But friend, we have to make those choices over and over and over and over again. You don't ever get past memorizing scripture. If you've been a believer for 50 years, there's still Bible verses you don't know, still things that you don't understand. We never move past the basics. We don't grow to a place where we don't need to worship. We don't grow to a place where we don't need others. We don't grow to a place where we don't have to discipline our mouth not to gossip, not to blame, not to shame. We don't grow to a place where we don't have to operate in self-control. We have to keep the vision in front of us and do the work or we will cast off restraint. It's not even worth it. I just can't even do it. I can't. It's too hard. Recovery is too hard. It's taking too long. Waiting for the right partner, it's too hard. It's taking too long. Waiting for the dream that God gave me, can't do it. It's taking too long. We lose vision and we cast off restraint. But the Holy Spirit has given you power to hold on to vision and to keep self-control and to hold fast to the truth that God has given you. Choose your thoughts on purpose. In Philippians 4.8, it says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's not easy. It takes work. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Did you want to hear that word? It does. But who can put a price on freedom? Who can put a price on a mind that's clear? Who can put a price on a mind at peace? Who can put a price on a mind that is present where you are there, wherever you are, you are all there? It is so hard to change, but it is so worth it. And we have to figure out how to do something with our thoughts and our feelings, or they will do something with us. Hello. You ever learned that the hard way? I have many examples. We don't have time for this morning, but I have many. <laughs> do something with your thoughts and feelings. Express them. Process them. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. Go for a run. Take a doggone nap. Anybody? John Orberg says, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. One of the things Cody loves to do, and it's helped him on his recovery journey, is halt. Take inventory. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? And then do I need to spend some time with others? Feelings are good. Thoughts are good. But you have to deal with them because they will come out some way. And you'll begin to so focus on yourself that you cannot focus on God. And you cannot focus on others. And you cannot focus on the purpose that he has for you. Do y'all know Willie Nelson? Oh, tender about him. That's nice. Um, he has this great song, I was all, I mean, you were always on my mind. You know that one? And I think the ringing cry of 2019 is, I was always on my mind. And I think it's why we have so many problems. Because we're always on our mind. And we are underestimating what digital media is doing to us. And it's powerful. I love it. I'm here for it. But we're underestimating the impact it's having. We are underestimating how connected we think we are, but how isolated we really are. And it's important that we learn to be connected to God and his truth 
and his spirit and be connected to others who will help you. So think about what you're thinking about. Choose your thoughts on purpose and speak life. Speak life. I love this proverb. It says, Proverbs 15, 23, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. You know, we all have challenges in life. It's like the universal code. No one is exempt from issues or problems or pain. No one. No one is exempt from character flaws. You don't suddenly outgrow them and you're, you're perfect. <laughs> in fact, in the Bible, when it's talking about perfection, when you actually translate that out, what it really means is becoming whole. It's not talking about being perfect and knocking it out of the park every single time. It's talking about being whole. We are human. We will always be making mistakes. We will always have challenges. But you know what? We can make them better or worse by how we talk about them. We can't change all of our circumstances into great ones by the positive confessions. But when we speak in agreement with God and learn to say what he says, things will change according to his will. You know, Cody and I, sometimes we're sitting together in our house, and we start talking, one of us. And then that person will go, nope, never mind. And almost always, the other person will say, I feel you. Because we know that talking is about to make this worse. And we just need to hush up and trust God. Because he is our defense, and he is our help, and he is our hope, and he is our defender, and he's the one who's going to sustain us and carry us through. And it's not that we don't believe in talking and processing. We are recovery people. We believe in therapy, support groups, group therapy. We believe in all of it. But there are those times when talking makes it worse. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, don't you think the opposite might be true? That the more you speak the worse it can feel, the worse the situation seems, the bigger it seems. It can drown out even God in your situation. I love Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, and it tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we will consider him who endured such hostility from people so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. To consider him who endured such hostility from others so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. The hostility is there. You probably felt it on the subway, some of you, this morning. Like, oh, yeah, you better be glad I'm saved because I'm going to punch you. I really would hate you if I could. But I'm going to church, so I can't. Meet me tomorrow. I'll see you on Monday. <laughs> Consider him because sometimes too much talking makes you weary and sometimes too much talking makes you lose heart. But if you hush and you start to pray and you start to worship God and get people around you who will pray and you ask the Lord in this situation, God, it's not changing, but will you change me? Will you make me more like you, God? I don't want to repeat this assignment. Just show me what I need to do. Teach me what I need to learn, God, because I'm not coming back here. I surrender. Have your way. You know, I struggled so hard to forgive an important family member in my life. I mean, it was hard work. You know the kind where every time they come up in your head, you're like, I ain't forgiving you. I don't care. After you suffer a little while, I will. Or maybe if you do something right, I'll forgive you. Justice. But they were fine. They were living their best life, and I was not. You know, part of being born again 
and receiving the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God also gives you a spirit man, a spirit language to pray. God gives us the capacity, every believer, to speak in tongues. And a friend of mine recommended to me, we were in the same recovery group, and she said, every time they come to your mind and you try to forgive, why don't you speak in tongues? And I was like, okay, feels a little weird, but I'll go for it. And man, I started doing it. And it began to change my heart. It began to change my life because I couldn't pray for them. So all I could do is pray in my spirit language, trusting that I was partnering with God and he was helping me out. Anybody? Lord, I hope this works. Or I'll be stuck here forever. Because this fool. mm. I know I have friends in here. I know I do. We hashtag blessed, but look. (laughs) Y'all, I know. But you have the capacity to pray. You have the capacity to worship. You have the capacity to think on things that are good, to speak life over your situation, to speak life over the hard thing that you're dealing with, to speak life even over the people who have hurt you. It might be God deal with them. That's life. God deal with them. But I'm done. I'm done dealing with them. So help me, Jesus. I'm going to focus on the thing I can control, not on the thing I can't. We pray, we worship, we trust, we be quiet, we speak life. Proverbs 18 says this, 20 and 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I don't want to eat no rotten fruit. I want the good stuff. So speak life. And finally, don't quit. Choosing to think positively and speaking life will not happen naturally, and it will not happen overnight, especially when you're facing difficulty. You remember faithfulness and self-control. <laughs> it will require suffering. It will require a death to yourself. It will require a death to you getting justice in order for you to feel like you can move forward with your life. It will require God to give you closure for the Holy Spirit to seal a wound. It will require you not giving up. You know, I'm standing here right now, 16 years into my faith journey, 16 years into my recovery, not because I hit it out of the park every time, not because I didn't fail miserably. I had some wins too, but I have suffered failure. I have suffered disappointment. I've had to keep going through disillusionment and discouragement and wondering if God was even real. But I'm standing here because I didn't quit. Just don't give up. We need you. We need what you bring. We need who you are. You are born for such a time as this. You are alive on the planet right now because God has something great for you to do. And not just great for you to do, but an impact that you are supposed to make on the lives of other people. Because we need you. Don't give up. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says this, because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the Proverbs, it says that a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. Seven times. It could have said a righteous man fell and then he got back up. But it shows seven. (laughs) That's a lot of times. Anyone? Imagine if you just fell seven times on the way to church. (laughs) That's a lot of times. I take great comfort in this. Because God still calls him righteous. God still calls her righteous. The falling down does not exempt you from the plan of God. Failure doesn't exempt you from the plan of God. My spiritual director said to me once after a big 
big difficult season in my life. And she said, Ashley, can you lose the will of God? Can anyone snatch you out of his hand? No. (laughs) But what a great comfort. Because I thought I had to get it right in order for God to love me. And I thought I had to do well in order for the plan of God to be fulfilled in my life. Have you read the Bible? Murderers, adulterers, prostitutes, everything under the sun is represented there. And thank God. I needed that comfort. (laughs) You can't quit because there are other people on the other side of your obedience. There are people who need to know what you know. There is a couple struggling right now in their marriage and they wanna throw in the towel and they need to know how you overcame. There's a person right now struggling with addiction to pornography who needs to know how you got out of that. There's a person dealing with debt, struggling, that needs to know that they can pay bills and live in a city like New York and be okay. They need to know what you know. Your freedom is not just about you. It's bigger than you. I'm gonna tell you a story. We buried my grandmother two years ago and they asked me to officiate the funeral. (laughs) Very easy. (laughs) And after the funeral was over, her neighbor who lived across the street who basically helped raise me and she was one of the few believers that I knew and she took me to church starting when I was a little toddler along with my great, great aunt Ferry. They both lived across the street. There were no other believers in my family and they take me to church. And her name was Ogie. And she's known me since diapers, okay? She's got stories. And my Sunday school teacher was standing next to her after the funeral and Ogie just slapped her in the chest and said, do you know Ashley's a pastor? Can you believe it? (laughs) And you're gonna see the Sunday school teacher be like, nope. (laughs) And I thought, God, I'm so grateful for those who prayed for me, those who believed in me, those who spoke life over me. I'm thankful for my Sunday school teacher for Ogie. I'm thankful for my best friend's parents who took me to a youth camp. I didn't even know what that was, but they were like, you can ride horses. And I said, okay, let's go. I'm thankful for my music teacher who loved me and sewed into me and cared for me like a father. I'm thankful for my college friend who took me to her house on the weekends, even though I was a complete addict. I am thankful for my pastors and my spiritual leaders who invited me into their home, even though I came into church wearing a a belly shirt, stopped right here, and pants that started right here, very Britney Spears 2000s. (laughs) That's how I came to church every week because I didn't know any better. I'm like, LA's cool, it's hip, Let's, let's do this. And they just said, come in, sit with me. Nobody judged me. Nobody told me to get out. Nobody looked me up and down. They said, come, there's a God who loves you. I'm thankful for my friends who teach me to show up in and out of season. They are present and they are available and they are loving. And I'm thankful for my church that teaches me still to this day to pour my life out for others, for Christ Jesus. I am thankful that even when I was faithless, God was faithful. What great grace that carries us. What great grace that sustains us through this difficult life. What great hope we have in the anchor of our soul. Christ Jesus who loves us. Don't quit. Don't give up. You have come too far to stop now. I want to read you one more passage of scripture and then I would love the privilege of praying for you. Romans 12, one through two, the same passage we've been talking about. I want to read it to you in the message version. It just makes it plain. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. 
you are not alone. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Friend, he is with you, he is for you, and he has never let you go. Nobody has the power to snatch you out of the hand of God. Nobody and no thing, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. He is so good, and He has created you so good, so loving, so tenderly. He formed you and shaped you for such a time as this. In the midst of this crazy world, He thought now would be the time for you. So let me pray for you. Jesus, I thank you for these incredible people that are gathered here in this room. God, I thank you for this beautiful faith community that is full of love and welcome and hospitality. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to grow here, that, that, that life would brim over from this church, Lord, that you would continue to fill people up to love them, God, so that they are healed and whole and changed and made new. God, I thank you for those who are just struggling to renew their mind, God. And it's a journey and it's a struggle. And I want to pray for you. If that's you and you're just like, Ashley, man, I've been trying to renew my mind. It's a struggle. Will you just lift your hand for me? I want to see you. I want to pray for you. No one's looking around. It's a ton of hands. Anybody? Anybody else? Well, Father, I thank you for every hand that's lifted. And maybe even some of those guys, they got their hand up in their heart, but they just don't like raising their hands. That's how I am too. Don't worry about it. God, I thank you that you are powerful. Your grace is sufficient in our weakness, God. Your power's made perfect in our weakness. And so I thank you, Father, that every weakness, every failure, every time of falling, Lord, you will help us to get back up again. God, that you will help people to be renewed in their minds, Lord, that they will be transformed by your word, by your spirit, by community. And God, I thank you that you will expedite the process. Lord, don't let it take as long as my did, dear God. Hem them in with family, with community, with people, Lord, so that they can grow and grow quickly in Jesus' name for every addiction in this room. I thank you, God, that it's not bigger than you. But death has no power over us, God. So I thank you for life and life more abundant. Lord, I thank you that you will restore everything that has been stolen. And we thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name.